Recently, a lawyer used ChatGPT to help write a document and he got in big trouble because ChatGPT made up a bunch of cases that it cited. So this has, I feel like, um, left the overall law industry kind of reeling and re-evaluating their usage of ChatGPT and AI in general. And there's been some new laws that have recently been enacted as, enacted as of just a couple days ago. Um, because of this, so today on the podcast, we are going to dive into what is happening in the law field with AI. And a lot of this actually stems back to OpenAI itself and also Sequoia Capital, one of the biggest venture capital firms in the United States, back in a company called Harvey AI. Now, Harvey AI kind of dubbed itself as, um, you know, the, you know, paving the way for how legal AI works. And essentially, they're saying that they're, you know, training AI models for uh, lawyers, but also they're saying that they're built on GPT-4. So I'm not 100% sure. If you go to their website, all you're going to see is um, join the waitlist and or, you know, contact sales. If you go to their blog, there's just a couple announcements about um, them getting money. And if you go to their careers page there, it looks like they're opening. Uh, they are looking for senior researchers, some back end people. Honestly, it looks like they had an idea and then they got a bunch of money and now they're going to hire people. So in my opinion, that's where they're going at it. With Harvey AI, they might be further ahead than I believe. But that being said, that didn't that doesn't mean that that hasn't stopped over 15,000 lawyers from joining that waitlist. So a lot of different law firms are really anxious to get their hands on AI. And it makes sense. I can really see the use cases for generative AI, and especially when you have someone like OpenAI themselves backing this company um, and helping them uh, helping fund the company. Uh, you can see why, you know, lawyers would be trusting and believing that this is uh, a good way to go. Now, that being said, I think there's probably a lot of uh, misinformation or, you know, people are not understanding correctly the limitations of ChatGPT and OpenAI in general. And, this, and that is exactly what happened just recently to a lawyer in particular by the name of Roberto. Oh, sorry. His client was Roberto Malta, um, who was suing a Colombian airline last year. Uh, essentially, the dude said that uh, a metal food cart and beverage cart injured his knee on his flight to Kennedy International Airport. Um, and so he wanted to sue Avianca Airlines. Um, a, Ma a Manhattan judge uh, was asked by the airline to dismiss the lawsuit based on the statute of limitations, blah, blah, blah. His lawyer, Stephen A. Schwartz, this is the guy in question, he submitted a brief based on research done by ChatGPT. Um, and he sent it over to the airline's law firm. Now, the airline's law firm was really confused because it uh, pulled up the brief and they couldn't sort or they couldn't cite any of the um, any of the law or any any of the cases in there. So pretty much there was one called Martinez versus Delta Airlines, Zickerman versus Korea Airlines, Vargas versus South uh, China Southern Airlines. So, and not only was he citing sources, but he was citing made up decisions by those sources. So you can, you can obviously just assume what prompt he said. He said like, Hey, I need to come up with a uh, brief, um, based off of my client who got injured by a food cart on, you know, X, Y, and Z airline, please come up with like some examples of, uh, other cases that have favorably settled in the case of the client, whatever. Right. And then it just made up three cases um, and I've had it do similar stuff, honestly, m more than so in the past with GPT 3.5. So I wonder if this guy even knew he needed to pay 20 bucks to upgrade. That'd be pretty sad if this wasn't even GPT 4. 
But in any case, it made up some cases and this guy did not fact check them and he submitted them. Now, he obviously is coming under a lot of fire. This made like in this made like national news and everyone was covering it because it's pretty outrageous that uh, you know, a lawyer is using ChatGPT to write their briefs and not fact checking it and getting caught in the process. And so uh, what seems interesting, uh, Avianca, the the airline, their law firm, said it seemed clear when we didn't recognize any of the cases in their opposition brief that something was amiss. We figured it was some sort of chatbot of some sort. Anyway, so they go talk to the judge. Judge gets mad at him. And Schwartz then has to respond in an affidavit because now he's kind of busted. And he says that he, quote unquote, consulted ChatGPT to, quote unquote, supplement his legal research. <laughs> yeah, right. He literally just got it too. This is this is not a you know this is um, for educational purposes only. My opinion on this is that he did not do any research and he uh, just made a prompt and copy and pasted what ChatGPT said. But don't sue me, Schwartz. In any case, this is not a what libel. You know, just my opinion. Any case, um, he said that as so pretty much after it gave him the uh, <laughs> after it quoted those like fake studies. He asked it if they were real, and he asked it for a source. Um, and uh, ChatGPT apparently said that it, it confirmed that it was a legitimate thing, and it said that uh, the that he could go find the case cited in the Westlaw and LexisNexis databases. So you know, it it cited real databases. Now, what he should have done is went to the databases and looked it up. I don't know who in the world would just trust uh you know something and use it legally and not like just do the research of looking it up i mean it literally cited where it said it was getting it one of them not all three so even in this case that he's like you know trying to defend himself by saying it cited one he didn't say that it cited the other two so he still submitted two that anyways it's just ridiculous so pretty much he got busted he's in big trouble it'll be interesting to see what happens there the reason I bring it up is because I think this is going to have a bit of a chilling effect on the law industry in general, right? We we have Harvey AI that just recently, um, apparently it says they just raised um, tw it's raised $21 million in fresh uh, investor cash. Sequoia Capital was leading the Series A round. Um, and they said that's because more than not just 15,000 lawyers, but actually 15,000 law firms were on the waiting list to use Harvey. Um, and so OpenAI's startup fund, Silicon Valley Angel, El, uh, Elad Gill also participated in the funding round. Um, and so, yeah, they're raising like a lot of money. I don't know if they have their product launched yet or if it's just that. But I think a lot of the hype came when GPT-4 was uh, released and researchers used GPT-4 to pass the bar exam. So obviously it has a lot of capabilities. I'm not sure if this lawyer that submitted his last document was using GPT 3.5 or 4. Um, concerned about that, definitely. But a global law firm, Allen and Overy, said in February that 35,000 lawyers and staff were going to be using Harvey to automate some of their document drafting and research. And in March, um, the accounting firm PricewaterhouseCoopers said that it was going to give 4,000 legal professionals access to uh, the Harvey platform as well. So like, you know, you can see 4,000 lawyers from this company, um, 3,500 lawyers from another company. These, these lawyers do not want to get left behind. And I will say this is kind of funny because I, I read a report on routers about this and they said, I'm trying to remember exactly what they said. They said something like it's a remarkable pace for a profession that was slow to abandon the fax machine. 
So, you know, obviously taking dig at lawyers being kind of old school. Um, but I think at this point, it is it is definitely an arms race. Um, if you don't want to get left behind as a lawyer, these things, this, you know, ChatGPT, when done right, really can do a lot of research and is a really powerful tool um, for lawyers. But that being said, will this replace lawyers? No, it's just supplemental and lawyers need to fact check everything that's coming out of it. Um, and I think what would be even a more powerful tool rather than just asking it to, you know, come up with cases that are favorable to whatever it's uh, looking for. I think it'd be better if the lawyer comes up with a case, copies the case, pastes it in and say, like, you know, write a summary of why uh, if in the style of a brief that I need for this type of document, explaining why this outcome was like this. But they probably should find it themselves. I don't know if it's very good at research right now. Google Bard might be better at research. Um, but in any case, definitely everything needs to be fact checked. So with all of this going on, um, a new law was just passed by a federal judge in Texas, um, and he said that all AI-generated content needs to be needs to first off be um, needs to be noted. So the the lawyers actually have to say if they're using it, and they have to make sure that it was checked by an actual human being. So I think it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, to see if that is a rule that is applied to more courtrooms. That's definitely the one that he is, uh, that Judge, I believe, Starr's office has said that they are going to be um, putting forward for anyone that brings any cases to court in their courtroom. And this is what he specifically said about this. And I, I think this is interesting because he did give a shout out to some of the great use cases for AI. So it's not like he's just some anti-AI judge. Um, obviously he's looking at some of the problems that are happening in the national news right now and does not want that to be repeated, um, for some obvious reasons, but these are the reasons he gave. And I think that they're actually fairly compelling. He said, these platforms are incredibly power and powerful and have many uses in the law, um, form divorces, discovery requests, suggested errors in documents, anticipated questions at oral arguments, but legal briefings is not one of them. Here's why. So legal briefings, obviously, that was the problem that got that original lawyer in trouble in the airline lawsuit. Uh, so anyways, the judge goes on to say, these platforms in their current state are prone to hallucinations and bias. On hallucinations, they make up stuff, even quotes and citations. Another issue is reliability or bias. While attorneys swear an oath to set aside their personal prejudices, biases, and beliefs to faithfully uphold the law and represent their clients, generative artificial intelligence is a product of programming devised by humans who did not have to swear such an oath. So I, I think this is actually a pretty compelling um, case to make, right? Obviously, um, it's not just like ChatGPT didn't have to swear an oath, but it's like also there's humans that are uh, developing these tools and that are, um, you know, making it say certain things or have certain ideologies uh, that they believe in. And they did not have to swear an oath to uphold the law or anything else. And you know, ChatGPT might be the big one right now that everyone can pick at, but there's going to be a lot of these different ones. And it's without good transparency, it's really hard to know what the biases have been added to those platforms and if those are uh, detrimental, right? Like, I mean, I, let me just throw like a, a crazy conspiracy theory or like worst case scenario that a bad actor could use. So let's say I'm China and I would like to have a negative impact on the law field in America. So I make a really powerful, the like I, I go by Harvey, for example. You know, all the law firms are using it. It's the number one. Um, I get like some shadow investors. We go buy up Harvey. And then we go and say, you know, for X, Y, and Z reasons to be more safe and effective, we need um, to put these certain ideologies into the into 
um, the into the biases of the AI model and push certain narratives. And so all of a sudden, every lawyer that's using this is now getting like some sort of, you know, slant that perhaps is more positive to the Chinese Communist Party or something. I know that sounds crazy, but like, come on, let's think about it. Like these algorithms and these AIs, all of this is possible. So I think that we do just want to uh, protect against it and to make sure that yeah, that still may happen, to be honest. Um, yeah, that would be interesting. It's not like it hasn't happened in other areas in the world and in uh, capitalism and corporations and whatnot. So in any case, um, I think this is one issue that we do need to be aware of as far as the biases of these. Anyways, the, the one judge, though, he did have one other thing to say. He said, as such, these systems hold no allegiance to any client, the rule of law or the laws and constitution of the United States unbound by any sense of duty, honor, or justice. Such programs act according to the computer code rather than convictions, yada, yada. So you get the picture. Um, I think this is going to be really interesting to see what happens in law if this entire case and this law that, you know, kind of blew up in this one lawyer's face are going to have a chilling effect on law. It's probably a good thing that Harvey already raised their money because I don't know if they'd be able to get more um, at, the, at the moment, but perhaps they will, and this is definitely an area we'll continue to watch. Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode, breaking down how AI is impacting your industry. Today's episode is sponsored by AIbox, a no-code AI app builder and marketplace, which just launched a crowdfunding campaign. If you are interested in investing in a new AI startup, you can go to republic.com slash AI dash box. I'll leave a link in the show notes as well to learn more. The minimum investment is $150 and the maximum investment is $100,000. Until next time, have a fantastic day.